Hello, it is Wednesday, October 14th already. Wow. 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 I remember not too long ago, we were talking to Taylor the One. It was about to be October. He celebrates hard spooktober. Mm-hmm. Yep. He got all pumped up about it. He was like, oh, here we go. Halloween, which leads into Thanksgiving, which leads into to the holiday season. And then 2021, which, by the way, 2020 is gone. 2021, here we go. Yeah. And he was like, October, spooktober, the best month of the year. Mm-hmm. And then immediately after that interview with him. Yeah. The entire Titans team got COVID. Yes, they did. You know? And then, I mean, that's a big talking point for today. Mm-hmm. Said suspension of facility for players, coaches, everybody, because they had to clean out. Was it an advantage? May have been. Is a side effect to COVID getting better at football? Fauci will go to have to figure that one out. Because it looked like that. We'll talk about that today. I mean, big conversations today. Mm-hmm. And it's already October 14th, 2020. We got incredible guests. We obviously have... Mark Schlereth. Are you kidding me? Stinks coming on today. Mm-hmm. Andrew have, Brandt. Oh, my God. That's what I was about to say. We have a big brain guy coming mm-hmm. in. And also, potentially, a guy who made a penis joke on the internet last night. Yeah, Mr. Dane Orslavsky. Dane Orslavsky has been pounding the drum about Josh Allen being an MVP player Mm -hmm. since the beginning. Oh, yeah. He actually said, hey, when this happens, I actually want to be the first person that has said it. Right. And by the way, we agreed. Hey, Josh Allen's been playing great football. Incredible football. But a Tuesday night game wasn't his best effort, wasn't his best showing. What will Dane Orslovsky have to say about that? I know one thing I got to say, that if you're gambling anywhere other than FanDuel, you're wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. These boosts that they put up, not even my boosts that have been hitting, by the way, but not even my boosts, but the odds boosts that they just put up for everybody, hit. Oh, yeah. Last night? Hit. Monday night? Hit. hit. Sunday, a bunch of them? Hit. hit. I mean, they, these boosts where the odds are basically across the board, and for those that don't know how to gamble, odds is like the amount of money you'll make on your return of your bet on said thing. So if something is more likely to happen, the odds on it, uh, the payback on it is very low because it's not that big of a gamble, so you don't win as much because it's kind of obvious in everybody's eyes. Mm -hmm. So basically every sports book has about the same odds on everything. They have the same spreads on just about everything, the same odds on just about everything. So the only thing you can really judge upon is – or get a better deal on is, okay, what's the upfront free bet that I can get? Uh, in, and I think FanDuel right now is $500 mm-hmm. or something. Like that. I'm yep. not 100% sure. It could be 50 Those change every single month. I'm not 100% sure. But then you start looking at, okay, who boosts the odds for bets more than anywhere else? Who's going to give me a better return on my investment in my sports knowledge? And FanDuel boosts odds more than anybody else. They do. It's actually a bad business plan. It really is. Because they're kicking my teeth everywhere else. And then these boosts just hit. All right. I'm staying afloat. It's interesting. I wonder if they have that. Com- like, who cares? Like, in our eyes. Right. They Let gave us a, an amazing deal to be a partner with them. And for us, like, yeah, we would like them to succeed, obviously. But the goal is to take all of their fucking money. Mm-hmm. Just like anytime you walk into a casino, your goal is to take every chip out of there. And if it isn't your goal... Hey, don't sit at the table with me. Don't need that type of attitude or aura alongside. We're coming in here. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. We might, sw- we might split queens because that's what kings do. That's right. 
if a bus card is on the table, we might throw some dice or whatever. But in the end, back of our mind, we might have some drinks, a lot of drinks. Mm-hmm. What? Vodka? What? what? Beer? What? 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 You might do all of that. But at the end of the day, the goal is to take every single chip out of that casino with you. Mm-hmm. You walk up to the cashier and you, you work for me now, actually. That, that's the goal of when you go. With us, with FanDuel, sportsbook, gambling, same mindset. I'm trying to take every fucking dollar they got. That's right. I've been on a heater. Last night, I got talked into a bet. You'll hear about that. I didn't love it, but it was a team thing. I'm a team guy. Uh, but if you're gambling anywhere other than FanDuel, please, please do yourself a favor and come rock with us. It's a good time. And if you're part of their daily fantasy, I know they did have an outage with their stat collector or stat doer or independent party or something like that. I do not do the daily fantasy. I don't know the fantasy, but I do believe uh, that made a lot of people pissed off. Let's assume the company that's boosting odds for everybody and refunding bets and everything like that is going to try to do everything they possibly can to make this up to you. What yeah. happened? Mm-hmm. I, and that is, I don't have those conversations with them about that type of stuff. I did see a lot of the tweets. I did send the tweets to the powers that be like, hey, I am, I am hearing about this. Do you guys know about this? Let's assume that the company that, I think they just refunded like $80 million a month ago or something. Yes, they did. Let's assume they'll make it right. I think they will. All right, good. Speaking of me, I hope they do, by the way. Yeah, they should. Exactly. We think, we want you to know that we are on the side of them making it right. Mm-hmm. All in favor, say aye. Aye. The rest of the office said aye as well. Okay, let's get to the show. Who wants to do that? Say aye. 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 Fucking let's go. So much drama, so much controversy, so much for the Bills and Josh Allen being an MVP candidate. <laughs> Uh, I'm not saying that. One bad game, especially one that's on Tuesday for the second time in like 70 years in the NFL's history, cannot change our viewpoint on the massive growth that Josh Allen has shown from his first year to his second year and from last year into this year being his third year. But last night, a team that hasn't been in their facility for two weeks, a team that had an outbreak of uh, uh, a virus that shut down the world inside of their facility, a team that everybody on earth bet against last night and a team that everybody on earth was rooting against last night, the Tennessee Titans absolutely trample the Buffalo Bills. It was a nonstop throttling. The only negative that came from the Titans last night was that Tannehill almost blew out his ACL doing a finger roll celebration after he ran one in wide open. Not not to talk about he threw a wide open touchdown with his foot still on the line of scrimmage that they didn't call back. Derrick Henry stiff-armed Josh Norman out of the stadium. I mean, there was a lot of big moments for the Tennessee Titans last night, but also not just for the Tennessee Titans, but for every NFL player that has ever said, does practice matter? Does practice even matter? Whenever I came into the NFL, Jim Caldwell was our head coach. Jim Caldwell came from the Tony Dungy um, regime, which was there beforehand, obviously. And we had an older team at the time. Obviously, Peyton Manning and the boys were the mainstay of the roster, but they were an older team. And all Jim Caldwell said every single week was, we want to be the freshest and the fastest team on Sunday. Freshest, fastest. 
That's all he cared about. So now, granted, Peyton ran the practices, and if Peyton wanted to redo a period or 10, we would do that. But it felt like our time on the field was not as long as it did become at certain different times whenever teams were trying to figure things out. The meeting room was paramount. It was like, hey, we're going to watch more film. We're going to be the freshest, fastest, and most prepared, I guess was the third one there. And for me, it didn't matter. I'm kicking ball left or right. But you get what I'm saying. They watched more film. They went through more things mentally. They did walkthroughs at a different level. There was a lot of things about being the freshest and the fastest team and I'm saying them because I literally just watched it happen because I didn't have to really do much to begin with but that team every single Sunday was ready to go and the reason it was I always thought because they were a mature team and they could handle that like hey they'll get the business done off the field that they need to get done so that they are the freshest and the fastest on Sunday even though you're not getting the conditioning and the cardio and the practice during the week and that team was able to do it last night with the Tennessee Titans two weeks very early in the season Before that team really even knows what they are this year, out of the building, two weeks of not being able to be in a strength or a weight room that is an NFL weight room, two weeks of them having to stay conditioned, two weeks of them having to watch film by themselves without having somebody hover over top of them telling them to watch film, two weeks of all that. And they come out and just from beginning to end beat the shit out of the Buffalo Bills. I mean, just just absolutely beat the shit out of the dog. Now, Josh Allen didn't have his greatest game. The first pick everybody saw is off guy's hands. Malcolm Butler, who has, I don't think he's made it, had it in interceptions in the Super Bowl. Nope. He takes one uh, last night, makes a great move, almost goes there. Then he has another one because of an overthrow in a, a drive that they had to make. But I guess Dan Orlovsky told me that that play was a zigzag situation. It wasn't oh, on Josh Allen, right. which oh. we will talk to Dan Orlovsky, by the way, much. in the third hour. Uh, we will also talk to Andrew Brandt, former, like, he's just super business guy in sports. He did, uh, I don't know if he's a general manager for the uh, Packers, but he was like the... VP of finance. VP of finance for uh, the Packers. At one point, he was an agent alongside Michael Jordan's agent. I mean, he's he's done everything you could possibly do in the sports business world. We want to talk to him about Lev Bell in the Lev Bell situation, because this feels like this is potentially a Leonard Fournette double dip type situation where you're a running back who gets cut from your team somehow because they say they tried to trade you and nobody will bite, so you just get cut. So they eat all the money, and you can get... Your contract that the previous team that cut you has to pay you and another team's contract, as long as it's less, I think, than the original contract, which I believe is $6.6 million is what the Jets potentially owe him this year. Diggs, am I right in that number? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. $6.6 million. So if he goes and gets a deal that's less than that or whatever, like let's say it's a million-dollar deal, he'll make a million from the new team, 6.6 from the Jets. They still have to pay him. We'll put that together. We'll talk to Andrew Brand about that because this is a very, very interesting Happenstance, Le'Veon Bell just gets cut. We heard yesterday he was up on the trade block. We all said that was going to be a very tough sell because of the contract that it was and everything like that. Then a couple hours later, it comes out he's cut. Then after that, it comes out that they've been trying to trade him since last year's trade deadline. Then it comes out that is it because he liked two tweets that basically question the way Adam Gase is using? I mean, there is so much drama in the Jets organization. If you're a good player, you can get out of there just by speaking out or liking a tweet that says that your head coach is bad. I mean, there is some insane shit going on. But now we have to ask, where's Le'Veon Bell going? Le'Veon Bell, if he is anything like, and we, we don't know, hey, we don't know if he's anything like he was three years ago, okay? Three years ago, incredible player. Then he holds out for a year because he won 17 M's a year, I believe. He, he said that in a freestyle in his front yard before tossing keys or a ball to a friend. I, could, I forget what it was. Good flow, by the way. He oh, says yeah. he won 17 M's a year. He sits out an entire year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. In said year, he moves down to South Florida. He uh, makes a rap album. 
He was partying on yachts, having a good time. To be honest, looked like he was not really missing the game much at all and was succeeding, by the way. Those those rap album debut parties looked like they were having a yeah, good time. Awesome. They were a good time. Yeah. So I was like really pumped for him. Then his holdout works. He gets a bigger deal than he was going to get offered from the Pittsburgh Steelers to go to the New York Jets. That New York Jets team, which has now paid him $28 million to play in 18 games, that GM that signed him was fired. The coach fired. Adam Gase, new GM, and new head coach Adam Gase come in. They're stuck with this contract. He doesn't like them. They don't like him. So now it's just kind of like, who budges first here? And it felt like the Jets said, we're picking Adam Gase over Le'Veon Bell. Because if this is all because of Le'Veon Bell's comments about Adam Gase, then that would mean if you don't pick the one side, it means you have to pick the other. Or are they just planning on firing Gase after this year too, and they're just doing Bell like a... Yeah, you're probably going to be gone after this year anyways. Go ahead and find a new team. It's very interesting over there. But who signs Lev Bell? I think it's potentially the Buccaneers. Why do I think that? Not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Just feels like it's possible at this point. It really does just feel like it's possible at this point. They only got like $2.2 million. But what we just said about the double dip on a contract like they did with Leonard Fournette, they don't have to pay him that much, I think. I think he's going to go to a team that could be a winner. If you're Le'Veon Bell, why would you want to go to another team that stinks? You probably don't. You're at the Steelers, good team, playing for playoffs. You go to the Jets, bad team, not playing for anything. Life is kind of miserable there. Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's just collect a paycheck, whoever's going to pay me. Not 100% sure, but it feels like the Bucks are a place. They They got a couple injuries in the backfield they have a lot of talent back there but nothing like Le'Veon Bell if he can play like he played three years ago before the yachts and the raps and everything and the jets and the Adam Gase umbrella which we know is a problem mm-hmm. Adam Gase has ruined a lot of careers I just don't know where he goes but I'm here for it I think it's potentially the Buccaneers maybe the Patriots Ooh. maybe he ends up at the Patriots just strictly Ooh. because it's the Patriots and that would make a lot of sense and if Cam Newton and Lev Bell are in the backfield there let's assume that's potentially going to be successful and if he can buy in to the Patriot way which nobody really knows what that means because whenever people explain the Patriot way, they basically say, oh, they work hard, they watch film, and they eat right. It's like, well, oh, so they just win. (laughs) So that's the Patriot way. Maybe ends up there. Maybe ends up somewhere else. Who knows? We'll talk about that today. Our first guest in about 14 minutes will be Mark Schlereth. I'm sure he has some takes Mm -hmm. on this. I mean, we got a big-ass Wednesday. All the boys are here at Tone Diggs. Last night we lost our bet, uh, but we went down as a team. We did we did lose our our bet and little did we know like we didn't get this information from the Titans locker room that they were in there getting motivation from people accurately pointing out that they practice when they shouldn't have practiced and all this woe is me Whoa. bullshit coming out of that locker room. I heard you did not like that afterwards they did play like the the world's against us which by the way I do believe they are accurate. The world yeah. was turning against them. You don't think so? Well, yeah, we were, but they had uh, 24 cases of COVID when I think every other team, like the highest was like two maybe. So maybe you did do something wrong, but good for them for turning around into motivation. Uh, well, and I think what does have to be looked at, and I tweeted this last night is, is one of the side effects of COVID, because we don't know much about COVID. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't know much about COVID at this point. We still don't know. I think mm-hmm. every day maybe we learn something new at this point, and who would have thought we'd be here? But maybe one of the side effects of COVID is that you get better at football. Oh, possible. I don't know. Is Fauci going to look into that? I know he's got a lot <laughs> of bad stuff going on, but this is potentially a ripple effect. Let's see what happens around the league if another team gets it, how they perform. But this is something that we cannot wipe off the table because I don't think anybody expected them to be able to perform the way they did, especially when it comes to conditioning and cardio, mm-hmm. because doesn't COVID the lungs so they didn't practice for two weeks they couldn't condition and half their roster had uh, a lung thing and last night they just right through the entire thing is a side effect that you get good at football that is a real question that i have that i would like to be answered also shout out ryan daniel he is since he has got out from under the gaze 
One of the best quarterbacks in the league. Stud. <laughs> Athlete. I don't know how he didn't break his leg on Dude, that celebration. Yeah, tears, that's like Martin Gramatica back in the yes. day. Everybody makes fun of kickers like uh, because of that situation. Like, oh, kickers celebrate and they tear their ACLs. That happens or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, well, maybe it's just that particular kicker. We ever think about that? If that happens to a quarterback, I, like terrible, obviously. I don't like that because they know no, so no, no, good. No, no. But mm-hmm. and then it's not just the kickers that have done it, you know, and that, <laughs> no. that, because that's a real thing. You his leg looked like it hyperextended. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It oh, did yeah. big time. And I was just, I was oh my god. And then I watched him jog to the sideline. There wasn't even a grimace on his face. I was like, I don't know. Is this guy? He must be very pliable. It must be TB12. Yeah. Must yeah. be TB12. But that looked bad. That Is looked that like, the COVID doing that? I don't know. Does COVID make you? Ligaments <laughs> <a> more pliable. <laughs> more pliability. Whoa. I don't know. Is TB12 actually just COVID? <laughs> the immunity. Wow. Pills, I think so. Oh, yeah. Wow. It was very interesting, though. I, when I saw that, I was like, damn, he just hurt himself. And uh, I, the entire second half, I think everybody thought they were going to die off. I, I think I did because I'm like, well, there's no way these guys – out of the facility were working out as hard as they would be in the facility whether it's running or anything like that yeah. and they didn't it almost felt like they got stronger and better it's a, good for them i mean it's early in the season still but good for them uh at boston connor if Le'Veon bell goes to the patriots i think the whole world will be uh once again upset and the whole world will say the other 31 teams could assign him because this is going to be the situation the yeah. other 31 teams could assign them they won't if bill belichick signs them everybody will go of course bill belichick mm-hmm. signs them it's like yeah this is what Bill would do, but I'm not saying they will. But this is one of those situations where you can see it happening that Bill Belichick's the smartest guy in the room again. Well, Cam and Lev Bell in the same backfield is detrimental to the entire NFL, like you said. But we have to also keep in account that Lev Bell probably wants to get back at the Jets pretty good. So he might want to stay in the division, come on over to the Patriots, and then stick it real good to the Jets score. I don't know, four Ooh. or five touchdowns in one game hey, against do him. what you got to do, pal. Yeah. And the thing about it is what? Whenever he's not in the backfield, he's a slot receiver. If he is still... The mm-hmm. guy that he was three years ago. Mm-hmm. That is the big question. Is he is he still capable of playing like the guy that played three years ago? By the way, wouldn't blame him if he couldn't. Of wouldn't course. blame him no, if he couldn't. Yeah. Of course no. not. He got $28 million in 18 games. Nick pointed that out earlier. That is quite an incentive to maybe not want to get beat to death every mm-hmm. single Sunday. That might yeah. be. It may be the time off. He did lose a little bit because we did see early Gronk was kind of like pulling back from massive con- uh, contact mm-hmm. because it is a terribly difficult position both tight end and running back i think gronk is getting back into it and i'm not saying lev bell is anywhere near there but if he's anything like the three years ago lev bell you can play him at slot Mm -hmm. and then you can move him to the backfield when you need him and in a team that doesn't have a lot of weapons up there with new england that would be a decision that the bill belichick would make and everybody be like of course of course of course he did it is a thought like maybe you know lev bell isn't what he used to be but let's remember when you're in the eye of hurricane Gase, i mean there's (laughs) nothing you can do but you are locked down so right now he's slowly getting out of there he's slowly coming back i have no worries that lev bell is lev bell and that he'll go off wherever he goes to let's just hope it's new england jim cantor puts his waders on and goes into hurricane Gase every single day and all he sees is shit flying everywhere there's Uh cows it's like the movie twister in that Gase hurricane (laughs) Mm -hmm. in there and when you're in the eye of it you're done for we saw one of the uh potential victims of that last night he's got paid over a hundred million dollars since leaving the Gates umbrella and has become an incredible, absolutely incredible quarterback in Tannehill. We've seen it time and time again. Robbie Anderson is out there doing Bingo. it. Devontae Parker. I mean, you just go down the list of names of all these people who are very good whenever he's not around. Yeah. Is Lev Bell going to be that guy? What's up, dude? Uh, does it give you confidence in him that last year with Gates, he did have 800 rushing yards and 66 catches, catches for 461 yards? Ooh. Yeah, so he still got it. Guy still got it. Still got you it. weather the storm then. He did weather that. Hurt. Difficult. But I'll tell you what, whenever you just got – your house getting beat down on so much by that hurricane, at some point you're inevitably going to tap out. 
at some point you're going to have to not go as hard as you would go because the guy that is in the, in the hurricane controlling the hurricane i'll have the truman show up yeah. there mm-hmm. is just a miserable mess and not good at what he does you can you could see how that could happen for levy on bell the lev bell bomb shelter was running out of supplies i mean he had to get out of that basement and let's hope that we can just watch levy on bell be amazing at football again because it is so entertaining to watch him dance around in the backfield and go for 60 and a score when we oh, when yeah. we played the steelers listening to when he was there listening to defensive coaches talk about his style of running was fucking awesome chuck pagano whenever we play him now i don't think they paid enough attention to ben roethlisberger (laughs) if i had to hindsight it and i think that was very evident with the um the outcomes of said games but whenever he would talk about levy on bell and then they would show highlights they would show levy on bell highlights and he, uh, I think Chuck called him Magic Man, okay? Because <laughs> now you shimmy, now you don't. <laughs> okay, listen, this guy, you got to tackle him through the ground, okay? This isn't like a, because he will disappear on you. Uh-huh. And then he rolls the highlight, he goes, look, look, look. Wait, 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 gone. <laughs> it was just like like watching him talk about Le'Veon Bell and then watching the clips as he was talking about it. He was like, damn, this guy is unbelievable. That was, I think he was one of the only people that was really talked about the way that he was talked about that day. It was just like listening to them talk about Le'Veon Bell was like, oh, damn. And then the reactions in the room, obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. to some highlights. There was like a lot of woo, like a lot of that. So if he could get back to that, the NFL is better with that guy playing like that. But I think it involves a lot of touches. Like I think he has to get the ball a lot. Good old line. I think he has to get into like a rhythm. I think he has to get into like that type of thing. And I think he has to be with an offensive line for a while because I think they have to learn about each other. Because mm-hmm. now, granted, I don't know how difficult it is to be an offensive lineman ever because that is a terrible job to have. I mean, it is a very difficult job. But when you got a running back behind you that will literally just wait for you to make a decision and then go. I mean, it is. It's probably an interesting world. But he gets behind a good offensive line. Yeah. Who knows mm-hmm. what the hell is going to happen? At Ty Schmidt, what are your thoughts, Bob? Well, uh, it's. It's actually funny because last night, not on Le'Veon Bell, but I was watching that game, and for a second there, I thought I was watching the game from like 2018 or something. Why is that? Well, I'm just expecting Josh Allen to come oh, out and oh, 600 oh. yards and eight touchdowns. But I, why are you doing this? Because the Bills Mafia came after us a little. Uh, well, yeah, and they always. I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, Rogers is playing much better than Josh Allen. Oh, he's having a nice oh, year. He's having a nice year. He is. Why are you kicking a guy when he's down right now? When you get beat like that, like when you get just absolutely fucking dog walked oh, like geez. that, do, like is there any dissension and not dissension in the locker room? But it's like, well, okay, maybe we should pump the brakes and we're not as good as we thought we were. I would assume everybody outside the locker room is thinking that. I, I don't know if the Bills inside the locker room bought into their own hype, right? I don't know if mm-hmm. Sean McDermott runs that type of operation. Yeah, over I, there. I wouldn't expect that. Where they got to get better and better. And I think also. We talked about this on Hammer Don yesterday with Michael Lombardi, former general manager and advisor and counsel, and every the guy just knows football. It is, yeah. it is un. I mean, talking to Michael Lombardi is just absolutely unbelievable. But his big thing was whenever we're gambling, every time I talk to him, I feel like I learned something mm-hmm. brand, well, new, brand new about football. It's yeah. like next level football. But when we're talking to him about gambling, he was like. We have to stop overreacting to one performance the next week. Because in the gambling world, what have you done for me lately? And I think books are taking advantage of people thinking like that. Mm-hmm. So they set a line where you, in your mind, you're like, oh, this team stunk last week. They're going to get blown out. But if you look at previous weeks, they were good. I think the Buffalo Bills could have potentially just had a Tuesday night nightmare. Right. right? I, I think where things yep. just, I mean, bobbled ball pick mm-hmm. all the way down. I mean, there was just numerous things you're watching. It's like, oh, this is just not their night. So I don't think Bill's Mafia or anybody in the locker room is like, 
uh, distraught or whatever. In a locker room, you can't because there's another game coming. So mm-hmm. you can't think about what happened before. Fans do that a lot more. They think about what happened. They're upset more. And then sometimes they'll hear a player on like Wednesday or Thursday be like, ah, we can't think about that. We got to move forward. And sometimes fans can get upset. They're like, oh, we care more than you do. It's like, no, no, no. Because if you do, what's going to happen next week is you're going to get your ass kicked again. Right. So I think the Bills are probably excited to get back on the field again after what happened. And I'm not 100% out on the Bills at this point. I just think they had a terrible game. What if a they, terrible game. What that if, was bad. What if they turn around and get the shit beat out of, out of them by the Chiefs? I, well, and then the Chiefs, by the way, are only at minus four and a half, which is, by the way, this is the sports books yep. trying to get us to do exactly. This is the FanDuel trying to do exactly what we just referred to about overreacting, being mm-hmm. like, oh, the Chiefs are going to kill them. And maybe they will. But have the Chiefs put together four quarters in a while that make you go, hey, that team's that team. New power ranking out on NFL.com has the Green Bay Packers at number one. There is a new king of the clubhouse Mm -hmm. in the NFL, says the NFL.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the big handsome, three-time Super Bowl champ, guy who... He's an entrepreneur as well. Oh, yeah. Has a chili out there that is delicious. <laughs> it's almost chili season, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It feels like it's almost chili season, ladies and gentlemen. Chili. The handsome Mark Schlereth. Yes! Yeah! Very, very kind of you, Pat. Very kind of you. I, I need to know where I get for the brand T-shirt. I'll tell you huh. what. Let's make a deal. Okay. You throw me a couple of for brand T-shirts or maybe a hat and a T-shirt, and I'll ship you out some green chili. Oh. Thank well, you, queso. Well, for the brand. Okay. For the brand. Yeah, for the brand. Yeah. Even though I've said it many times on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Oh. Aaron Rodgers did for the brand t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, and now Aaron's a bigger deal than me. I get it. No. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, though. Yeah. yeah. Kind, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But I'm okay with that. So let's, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's get on the trading table here. What size? Double? Uh... Yeah, yeah, double would be double would be tremendous. Well, we got one for you. Do you get a chance to work? Yeah, we got one that got shipped to the office. We don't know how it got here, but we're pretty pumped. It'll be on your way. What color would you like? Uh, we'll figure that out off air. But I would like. <laughs> yeah, you guys, yeah, you guys, whatever, whatever, you, uh, whatever you we throw my way, I will, uh, I will proudly wear. Oh, an entire, yeah, yeah. Hey, an entire gift package is coming, pal. Oh, we are think? pumped about that stink. stink. Do All you right. do now? You're traveling for games with Adam Amin. You guys are very good together, by the way. So it's a fun game to listen to. Last year when I was traveling around doing games and all that stuff, I I weighed 275 pounds at one point. Do you do you get fat during the season? Is it difficult for you uh, during the season? I, yes, I, I have gotten very fat during my first <laughs> several seasons of doing football. Um, as a matter of fact, about I'd say about 12 weeks ago, uh, I was 270, 269. Um, right now, I'm about 245. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, yeah. And so I, and so anybody listening right now, um, so I've got here's here's the deal. All right. I'm going right. to help you guys out. All right. Get your pen. Yep. Uh, get your paper out and get yourself ready to write. Here's the deal. Okay. Okay. You want to lose weight? Stop eating. Oh, okay. Well, that's Holy shit. <laughs> so we don't do that. All right, yeah, stop that was, eating. That was, that's been the key, really. That's uh, option two. You know, <laughs> walking on the treadmill and doing all that. Just quit eating. You'll lose weight. 
Well, we're proud of you for being able to. I'll tell you what, it is very difficult, especially whenever I got that stink chili on. Oh, Oh, wow. But that's like, that's keto friendly, man. You're going to be okay on this one. You're going to be fine. All right. Let's talk about the football that you cover, (laughs) and we appreciate that. Uh, Zito Wood is still waiting for option two on how we can potentially lose weight quickly, but I mean, that's on you, and you guys will figure that out. Uh, Lev Bell gets cut yesterday, last night. Yeah. This happens in the middle of a Tuesday night football game, second time in 70 years or whatever. And obviously we could talk about the Bills just getting their ass beat by a team that hasn't practiced in two weeks. And there's a lot of conversation to be had there. We will have that. But Le'Veon Bell getting cut. Do you think, in your very sophisticated opinion, he is anything like the player he was three years ago whenever he was at the Pittsburgh Steelers before the holdout and before Hurricane Gase got a hold of him, which we have seen a resume of ruining players that Hurricane Gase has right. done. Do you think he's anywhere near the same player he was three years ago when he was unbelievable, like a spectacle to watch on a game, gamely basis? And where do you think he ends up at this point, depending on that answer? Yeah, I listen. Obviously, you're three years older, which doesn't help. But there's not a lot of tread on the tires in those three years. It's not like he's played a ton of football. You know, he, he sat out for a year, and um, and I think he was injured with the Jets in year in year the first year there. So it's not like he's done a lot. I you know I always worry about guys from the standpoint of do you love football or do you love the ancillary things that come with money in football? Oh. You know, do you love the cars? Do you love the women? Do you love the lifestyle? Do you love all those things, or do you actually love the game because the game is hard? And, you know, that would be my question for Le'Veon Bell. Do you really love the game? Because um, if he really loves the game, I would say that that he still has plenty of tread on the tires to be exceptional at this game at the running back position because he has that versatility, that duality to be able to run the ball, run the ball tough between the tackles, the speed, get outside. And his ability from the backfield, not only the backfield to catch, but he can run routes from, you know, the slot like a receiver. So, yeah, I would I would say that he still has, you know, an ability to be an effective player. Do you want to play? Do you really want to put in that work? Um, and I get it. Like, I get going to an organization like the Jets. Like, I watch the Jets play, and I'm thinking to myself, um, is it too late for the Jets to opt out? <laughs> you know, a lot of players opted out, right? A lot of players decided, hey, man, COVID's too tough. I don't want to play. And I respect that. And I understand that. But I think the Jets might go retroactively say, hey, on second thought, we don't want to play anymore. Like, it, yeah, we're opting out of the season. Like, we're just done. It sounds like said dog agrees with you there. Yeah. I, Romeo, you're a dog. Pipe down. <laughs> Romeo. That's good name. Oh, Romeo. Good Sometimes name. he forgets. He thinks he's part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I understand. If his name's Romeo, by the way, he should be peacocking all around that damn house. That's a great name for a dog. What type of dog is it? It's a lasso. Um, Ted? Something or other. It's kind of a mutt, you know. Small, big? It, it's bigger than it should be, you know, because uh, he is really my he's really my wife's dog. And, um, you know, he there, here my wife just comes in the door. He always starts barking when I do interviews. He just, like, he wants to be part of the conversation. Hey, we love Romeo. We're pumped he got involved right there. And hopefully yeah. he'll get a treat for doing such a thing and agreeing to you. But that's interesting what you said there about Lev Bell and whether or not he loves football because it's a tough game. Everybody wants to be a lion until it comes time to do what lions do is kind of the old quote that a lot of coaches have and, and things like mm-hmm. that. Because there are people that get captivated by the NFL lifestyle and they want to put it on their Twitter resume or they want to put it on their Instagram or they want to take a picture in the facility. But then when 
whenever it comes to, okay, now this is what you have to do to do it. Uh, you're not going to be going out, really. You're going to be going to bed early, especially in this COVID year. You're going to be staying in your apartment. You have to make sure you're working out. You have to watch more film than anybody else. You have to treat this as if you're getting a doctorate in football. That's, those are all the things that you kind of realize quickly that outside of like maybe 1% of the NFL guys that don't have to really try that hard and they're just unbelievable, that is what it takes to be in the NFL. And it's very quick you can realize like, oh, that person has no idea what this means to be here. Like they think just getting here, getting it on their Twitter bio is enough. And at this point, $28 million in 18 games for Lev Bell, $28 million. If his entire mission was to get money, which he rapped and said that it is, but I think that is just kind of a rapper thing. He's already done that. Him saying there's still a lot more to prove. I feel like he potentially does have a mindset where he wants to still play. I hope so. Because when he's playing, it is awesome to watch, Mark. Dude, when he was playing, when he did what he did in Pittsburgh, the vision that he had, the ability to set his blockers up, that's one of the things that blew me away when I would watch film, is how patient he could be. How, you know, how, how like, just his his movement across the, the board, across the line of scrimmage, and basically setting up one player to get an edge on another player, and then bouncing outside of that player, and then waiting for somebody to climb to the second-level linebacker, and, like, and just being so patient. And letting that block develop and then cutting up underneath that block. I mean, it was like nobody had ever watched do it before. And then, like we talked about, his ability outside to line up and be a receiver in those situations. The guy is a, a great player when he wants to play. And, um, and again, there are those organizations that you go to that uh, – and the Jets seem to be one of those organizations that you're just like, you know what, I made a mistake. Like, this is, <laughs> this, this is a train wreck. And – um, I don't know how you could describe the Jets as anything other than a train wreck right now. A dumpster fire. But the um, yeah. the Le'Veon Bell saga, you were obviously Super Bowl champion, offensive lineman, center, war number 69, legend in everything that you've really ever done. The Being an offensive line, does he have to go to a place that has a good offensive line? Like, is that obviously he's going to go somewhere that wins, right? He's with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They work and practice for playoff games, meaningful games. The Jets, it doesn't feel like you're showing up at practice for anything that's potentially meaningful, especially at this point. So it might be, I assume he's going to go somewhere good. And I think he can double dip contract wise because the Jets have to pay him and somewhere else can pay him. You might as well go to a place that has a good team and a chance to really win it all. Does it matter how great the offensive line is or does he make the offensive line better because of his running style? Or is it something where they have to learn about each other because he runs unlike anybody else that has ever really done it before in the NFL? Yeah, I think that, I mean, obviously it helps to go to a good offensive line. Um, but, you know, it's it's like when I was here in Denver blocking for Terrell Davis when he was going, you know, for 1,700 yards and 2,000 yards and doing all those things. Um, I, I used to say all the time, the guy makes up for a multitude of sins. Like, you don't have to block him that long when you got a guy like that in your backfield. And, <laughs> and again, the way he sets up blocks, he can make guys a lot better. So I would say that, Le'Veon Bell, you know, if he went to a place that had a good system, a good quarterback, good O-line, that would be beneficial. But he'll help make uh, an average O-line better. And and that's, you know, that's the beauty. If, he, if that's what he wants to do and that's what he's willing to sacrifice to do, then I think all those things are true. The interesting thing here is he's going to end up at the Patriots and everybody's going to go, of course, <laughs> mm-hmm. of course he is. And, and or he'll end up at the Bucks. And everybody be like, of course, Tom Brady signed him. I don't know how many teams are really going to reach out to him. I'll be intrigued to see that. Let's talk about that game last night, Mark. Uh, Should we dive into what happened to the Bills last night playing against a team that had a virus outbreak in their facility that shut down the entire world and hadn't practiced for two weeks and got uh, just absolute 
beaten to shit last night from beginning to end of that game. Is there anything we should look at the Bills differently, or should we be looking at the Titans differently because of this? No, I think I think you look at the Titans a little bit differently. I mean, first and foremost, I got a bunch of people on Twitter telling me, oh, you know, you can pound sand about the, you know, your Titans take and the fact that, you know, like the, like the Titans, like the Titans went to this high school thing to practice and they didn't get penalized for it. And, you know, they, they broke protocol, but they didn't know they broke protocol. Uh, yeah, say whatever you want. I don't, I don't really give a rip. I, I'm not going to apologize for any of that, but to act like the Titans were a victim, um, oh. I think it's just ridiculous. Mark, like, hold on. Mark, I want to let Mark, I want to let you know. Our guy Diggs, his first take on the show today was he was sick of the uh, Mickey Mouse woes me BS bullshit, victim thing. But by the way, if they use that as motivation, you got to respect it. But you're not the only one that feels that way. But I think a lot of people yeah. feel that way. Uh, like I think it was harder for the Bills. At least the Titans had the the league in their ear every day, going, "Okay, your facilities shut down. You can't come to practice. You can't do this. You can't do that." Every day they had an update based on their COVID tests and everything else. The Bills were just sitting around waiting. Can we practice today? How much can we practice? What if we play on Sunday? What if we play on Monday? What if it gets pushed back down Tuesday? What you know, it, it's it's they're just sitting there waiting. I think it was I think it was more difficult being in the Bills position than it was in the Tennessee Titans position. And listen, no disrespect to what they did, they came out and thunder punched them in the throat. I mean, it was just like wham, wham. And they're like, yeah. I mean, when you get thunder punched in the throat, that it's hard to speak. And that's what they do to the Bills and. Um, and good for them. I mean, here's what here's what I love about them. Um, you know, to find your or to, to to get to your destination, like the most direct route to your destination is to have a plan and understand what you are and how you're going to get there. Right? Yep. If you don't know what you are, if you don't have an identity built, you can stop at any, you know, hey, the, the world's biggest ball of twine. Let's pull in. You know, we got to check that out, right? And then, hey, let's get over here and get a cup of coffee. And then let's swing over here because, uh, you know, we want to look at some other attraction. Well, it's going to take you a long time to figure out where your destination is. The one thing about the Tennessee Titans and Mike Brable, and I'll give Mike a, a ton of credit, they know what they are. They're going to come out there. And, and they're going to throw haymakers at you. They're going to beat you up. And when you look at the final statistics, and I'm not a big stats guy, but, you know, Ryan Tannehill, oh, how great is he? He had 195 yards passing. I think, uh, I think you know, Derrick Henry, as physically as, as he is, he had 19 carries for like 60 yards at three yards a carry or something like that. It's not like statistically they, they, they statistically dominated the game. They just physically went out there and whooped ass. And, and that's who they are. And – you know when you play them, that's what you're in for. And if you're not up for that challenge, you can't ma- you can't match that line of scrimmage intensity and physicality. You're going to get beat, especially if you lose the turnover margin like they did with those two turnovers. I mean, that is just very difficult to give up possessions of the ball to a team that is going to come out and swing at you. And their commitment to the run, no matter what. I mean, Derrick Henry will get a half a yard, and it's almost like they're like, "Yeah, that's going to happen. We don't care. Here we go. We'll do it again." If you can stop this defensive end, congrats. But we're going to be able to take advantage of whatever you're taking right now and getting worn down. It is it's right. a cool way there's, to watch football. It's old school, man. It is an yeah, old school there's, football. There's a, a mentality to run the football that very few teams have. Um, you know, like we always, when I was in Denver, we always applauded the two-yard run. We're like, as long as a two-yard run is physical, nasty, guys are on the ground, guys have to get up, we know on third down and seven, they're not going to be as good a pass rushers. And we're going to take advantage of that. And in today's game, hmm. unfortunately, that's not how guys um, become, 
you know, that's not how offensive coordinators become head coaches, right? Eight, you're like a young, innovative, uh, you know, offensive play caller who gets a young quarterback to play well and throw for a lot of yards. That's like uh, that's like Viagra to eighty year old. I mean, they love that stuff, right? They cannot wait. They can't wait to hire that guy. But the bottom line is, when you look at Tennessee, man, they know what they are. They know what they want to accomplish. They want to physically wear you out. And if it's a two yard gain, it's it is like they will applaud that because they understand over time um, what that does to a defense as far as wearing them out and how much less. I mean. Ryan Tannehill played clean. He didn't get he didn't get hit one time. I mean, he didn't get sacked. Like there was no pressure on him. Why? Because you are that committed. And and now if all of a sudden, as an offensive lineman, if we're throwing a five step drop like an all go pattern, right? I don't have to take a five step drop set. I can up kick a guy and make it look like Ron, and I'm still going to win that. I'm going to win that matchup. They give their guys an opportunity to take the passive out of pass protection and take the aggression to the line of scrimmage because of the way they believe the philosophical approach they have to the game, and it just helps you in everything that you do. You know, when you throw the ball 60 times a game and you've got great route concepts and things got to build, that offensive lineman, the entire probably not even in a three-point stance ever at the tackle position in a lot of places, you're just sitting back. You're just getting beat up the entire time. you got to take it. In their offense, they're fighting the person. Those are two very different mentalities that are happening. Right. And there's not a lot of teams that are doing that. There's not a lot of teams. No. That are, Baltimore's no, I, doing you know, it. I, mm-hmm. I, I have, the, I have the, uh, just the privilege of consulting for a couple of teams. It's one of the things I always talk to teams about from a play-calling standpoint. Can you take the passive out of pass protection? I don't want to be passive. I want to be the aggressor. Yeah, let me kick their ass. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. 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 But, to, but to do that, to do that and to be effective at that, you have to really understand how to run the ball and where to where to pick your spots from a pass protection standpoint. So, for instance, if I have thirty pass plays in any game, can I have, you know, can I have a couple of bubble screens where I can come off the ball? Can I have a, you know, five or six three step drops where I can come off the ball? Can I have a couple of five step drops where I can still come off the ball? Can I eliminate those thirty pass throws? down to about 10 where I legitimately have, you know, a seven-step drop or a five-step drop with a couple of hitches. You, I'm telling you, I know, did you ever, did you ever, I'm telling you, were you an old lineman back in the day? Pretty good, dude. I used to do public pass sets. <laughs> it was awesome. I used to just like in the middle of the airport, hey, what's up, Romeo? In the in the middle of the airport, uh, people would just be walking by, so I'm sitting at the gate. A.Q. Shipley, good friend of mine, normally traveling with me, and I would just start pass protecting <laughs> random people at the airport. And he's always like, ah, you need to be a little bit more square. I'm like, all right, let me square the hips a little bit here. Don't give him the numbers. Boom, bang, bang. I got it. I got a kick set. I'm telling you what, I used to, well, I used to do fake kicking. Like, I used to do <laughs> that. Smart. Because I, uh, I punted in high school, you know, and Athlete. I kicked off and did all that stuff. But, um, and I used to do it at practice all the time with, with the kickers. But, I will tell you the, the the whole pass pro thing. I absolutely I, I love it. And we had a special teams player for us, a backup linebacker, sometimes starter, Glink Address, great guy, one of the funniest dudes I've ever been around. And he would do you know passes because he was on pump pro. Yeah, and, you know you got you're like the left tackle on pump pro, and you got to be out there doing that. And he used to call himself uh, Special Zim. 
He was the Zimmerman of special teams. He was oh, all wow. special oh, Zim. Watch my set. Watch yeah. my set. Special Zim. I like yeah. it. I respect yeah. it. And, I, yeah, that's what you reminded me right there of. Special Zim. Well, I'll tell you what. Special Zim and I really got some things going on. You know, <laughs> Connor, what do you got? Yeah, Mark, the Broncos are playing the Patriots on Sunday. How do you feel about their chances? And is Benny Rippon going to make it through the whole game? Because a lot of people <laughs> are calling for the boat Blake Bortles to get some burn here. Oh, do you, do you guys in New England, you guys like Blake Bortles, do you? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> As a person, a yeah, I mean, have a little respect. The person Jeez. is awesome. And he's you... a great player, too. I like Bortles as a QB. AFC Championship yeah. game had to lead it to half against yes. the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Uh-huh. People yeah. For... Yeah. I think he had like a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter or something, didn't he? Or... Well, he did. Yeah. He did. What yeah. Happened? So, um. No, I, you know, I think I think people in Denver are hoping that uh, that Drew Locke is back and oh, ready to roll. Smart. So we'll see if he's going to be ready. But uh, hey, Rip, man, Rip showed that he can play from the pocket. He made some mistakes in that Jets game, no question about it. But he's a smart kid. Um, you know, as long as he's on time, he's accurate. He's he's a good player. I like. There's a lot of things going on with the Broncos that I have a lot of question marks about. And if New England gets you know, both Cam Newton back and uh, New England gets uh, uh, Stephon Gilmore back. I don't have a lot of faith that uh, Denver can go to New England and um, uh, and it, compete. But, you know, that's that's why they play those games. I don't think you guys should be worrying about who's quarterback. I don't think you guys should be worrying about Blake Bortles. I don't think you should be worrying about any of that in Denver right now. I think what you should be worrying about is your running back Ooh. is out and about at one thirty in the morning getting a DUI whenever we're in a COVID bubble oh. season. What ha- He was running to the store? Did we hear like he needed? <laughs> what happened? I assume he was saving I, somebody you know, who was potentially dying. I, came, I, I just heard this news before I came on with you guys. And, like, aren't you – don't you have practice today? Don't you have a – He was saving a baby, I heard. I think he, wow. <laughs> what a guy. Right. He, was sa- he had to drive and save a baby. I, but that him. is – by the way – He's 27 years old, I believe, 27 years old, Wednesday night starting running back for a team in a year where it has been paramount that you can't go out or you shouldn't be out and about. There has to be a story behind this, but any this looks terrible. And, and it's not yeah. like this is coming from somebody who got arrested <laughs> being out on a Tuesday night. No, great. It was a bye week, and I'm not starting running back, and you're allowed to be out and about back then. This looks very bad for the Broncos. And Lish's hope, by the way, that I assume he went to jail. Let's hope he doesn't get – he's going to have to go through the entire COVID protocol again. Oh. Happy nobody got hurt in the middle of this DUI process. We're in the middle of a time where there's ride sharing and lifting and Ubering yeah. where you don't have to do this. But this is wild. What the hell is going on in Denver, Schlereth? Right. And by the way, he's one of the guys that complained about, um, you know, their game got pushed back so they lost their bye week. Uh, one of the guys that complained on social media about losing their bye week, I, uh. I heard it explained or I heard it expressed that, uh, man, it's like going to uh, going to school all week and doing your assignments and then being told that Friday that that was your bye, you know, that was your spring break. Um, I don't care. <laughs> like I don't like I don't care. Grow up. It's a bad look. You know how difficult this time is for so many people across this country? How many people have lost loved ones? How many people have lost employment? How many people have filed for unemployment? How many people have lost businesses and homes and everything else? And you guys are worried about spring break. Where were you going to go anyhow? Apparently, you're going to go wherever you were at 1.30 to get some drink on. I like it, it makes zero sense to me. It's a horrible look. Vic Fangio came out and essentially blasted. Um, you know, we're going to find out who the whiners and bitches, bitches are or bitchers are. Is what Vic Fangio said, and, and you know what? I think you found out some guys on your team uh, 
from a from that standpoint um, are questionable at best. Wow. Hey, you were preaching there, Mark. You really were. Hey, that's a real thing. Perspective is a big deal in this world, especially whenever small things in the grand scheme of things are being acted as if they're big things. Mark, we can't thank you enough. Ladies and gentlemen, three-time Super Bowl champ, good human, analyst for Fox Sports, Mark Schler. Thank you, Mark. You're awesome, Stink. So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know, from Milan to Pittsburgh, Revton jeans are the holy grail of jeans. A few guys from Under Armour quit their jobs and decided to make the most comfortable jeans on the planet. The guys took the stretchy athletic apparel fiber and the sweet comfort of sweatpants and partnered with the best maker of premium denim in Milan, Italy. Wow. To create high-end denim jeans. The best maker of premium denim in Milan, Italy. I mean, that's the epicenter of the designing world. And you would think there's probably a lot of good denim in Milan. Yeah, I would. Well, this is the best maker of premium denim in the whole fucking city of wow. Milan, Italy. Think about that. To create high-end denim jeans. Every pair of jeans is $79. Since they have no middleman, think about that. They have jeans from Milan for $79. Most places are charging two to three times the price for jeans like this. We wear them all the time around here, and they feel like sweatpants, and they look damn good. And right now, you can head over to revtown.com forward slash McAfee. That's R-E-V-T-O-W-N dot C-O-M forward slash, which means it looks like the slash is leaning forward from left to right. So leaning forward, forward slash McAfee, M-C-A-F-E-E, and check out their jeans. Again, that's RevTon.com forward slash McAfee and get jeans for more than half the price of their competitors with better denim, a feel of sweatpants, and a look of greatness from RevTown Jeans. Back to the show. Joining us now is a man who's a national champion and a Super Bowl champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. A.J. Hawk. Yeah! Oh, boy, yeah. How you doing, brother? How's life? Well, I'm doing well. You, uh, I'm sure you've been backtracking on all your Josh Allen talk today. Whoa. 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 What the hell? Nope. I refuse to buy into the fact that just because Josh Allen had one bad Tuesday night, which, by the way, has... Only happened two times in like 70 years, and they got just beat down by a team that hasn't practiced in two weeks. I refuse to let that skew my image of how great Josh Allen has played these first few weeks of the season, and I think he'll get back on that horse against Kansas City Chiefs. And in warm-ups, I think there's a chance that they have a throw-off in Josh Allen. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen gets his swag back because he can throw the ball. Guess what? Pat Mahomes said 83, 84 yards. Oh, That's what I think. Shit. What are you saying? You, you, you're, you're off on Josh Allen now all of a sudden? What an asshole you are. Jeez. No, I'm definitely not off of Josh Allen. I, I'm upset at myself. I didn't see this coming. Like The Tennessee Titans are one of the freshest teams in all of the NFL yeah. right now, and yeah. we, didn't, we did not take – we thought that was a negative and not oh. a positive heading into this game. I think a lot of people did. A lot of players around the league are questioning whether or not these 10-hour, 11-hour, 
12-hour days that are just the common, the norm in NFL facilities. A lot of people who are both coaching and playing in the NFL after watching what the Titans did without two weeks of preparation time in the facility, a lot of people are saying, is this entire system schedule completely fucking wrong? A lot of people are asking that question now, and I think we can add you and me to that list because the fastest, freshest team that seemed to be able to go through so many film operations with the Zoom and somehow maintain their shape and their conditioning and their fitness throughout this whole thing, they came out and dominated the Bills, who look like the team. If you were to say to somebody who knew nothing about football and nothing about the situation we're in, and they were to watch last night's game and say, one of these teams wasn't able to practice for two weeks, one of these teams was, which one would it? Everybody would have said the Buffalo Bills were a team that didn't practice for two weeks. Ball's getting tipped interceptions, this, that. It just looked like the Titans never skipped a step, and that dude with that stiff arm is going to be a problem, I think, for a while because they know exactly what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. It's run the damn rock all the time. Yeah, it's run the rock, and, and also Tannehill plays like the perfect role in what he does. He doesn't make mistakes. He throws touchdowns. And he doesn't throw turn. He doesn't throw interceptions. They don't turn the ball over. I mean, Buffalo turned the ball th- three, what, they turned it over three times, Tennessee zero. That's all you need to know. Well, Tannehill also, and we alluded to this earlier and on Twitter, he almost broke his leg in half during that finger roll celebration. Mm-hmm. I noticed I, right away. I got scared for him. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, that was uncomfortable. That was awkward. That looked painful. And then as I was watching him jog off, they zoomed in on his face, you know, and he was smiling and giggling. I'm like, oh, he's not even, he's not even feeling that right there. I wonder if he feels that today. That was definitely uncomfortable. But that team last night, just dominant. And I don't think anybody could have expected it other than maybe me and Connor. Yeah, I, I think, I think maybe me and Connor. me and you had them. And then originally, and then everybody turned us, uh, turned me at least to bet on the um bet on the bills but yikes i think a big problem with everybody is they're going to overreact to that i think the bills are still a good team they just had a terrible night and sometimes that happens especially if it's tuesday night jay feely's on the call here we go yeah hey here we go you're right jay feely that was a that was interesting was he originally on the call like when it oh, wasn't Tuesday, is that why they did this? Guy. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jay Feely representing uh, for the brand he has for a long time. I think a lot of things he has said, I, I don't necessarily agree with or uh, love. But he, I didn't think he did. I didn't think he did that terrible. By the way, I think a lot of people, the internet, were potentially questioning how he was going to do as being kicker in there. And me, as a person who has punted balls for a living, I could say this: Jay Feely. I don't know how he operated in his day to days at the NFL. I know how me and Vinatieri operated. I was front row seat to a lot of football, like practice, meetings, offense, defense. I feel like I actually, now granted, whenever Mike Lombardi speaks, I feel like I learn things. When Aaron starts talking about body catchers and things like that, there are certain things that people at different positions have experienced and know a lot more about. But I think having a front row seat to an NFL operation day in and day out, literally, and what, that's what a kicker and punter is, you can pick up a lot of knowledge of, obviously, the game and the way things run. So kickers and punters don't always get a chance to be in the booth there. Whenever it was Jay Feely, only guy in the booth, I was both excited and a little bit worried that he's going to potentially fucking ruin it for all of us. I don't think he did that bad, but it was very interesting that Charles Davis, who is the CBS's yes. new number two, yep. did not get that gig. He was a friend of the show. I wonder if there's any conversations inside CBS. Like, did nobody want to do it? Or was it like, let's give Jay Feely a shot here? I'm sure they all wanted to do it. It's a, a CBS primetime game, which they don't have. Like, you don't ever have a game like that, do you? Tony gets the number one CBS games, which could be – well, no. That they're, they're, what, 4 o'clock? Yeah, how come, how, how come Tony and Jim didn't do it? Yeah, and they had the Pats-Chiefs game that was early last Monday. They should have done both. Maybe Jim didn't want to do both. 
Oh, you think Jim Why, Nance is, is Jim? like, hey, I, I can't get any swings in on this fucking hole in my oh. backyard. You let me go on they, Tuesdays. Don't you think they could have said, hey, Romo and Nance both? Yeah, we'll definitely do it. You got you to pay us for the extra game. They, they are. They, I mean, Tony's about getting $18 million a year. I he's getting paid to do game. that. Yeah. He's yeah. going to want an extra, an extra mil, though, to do that game. Well, give it to him, then. Really? Shit. That's, that's I mean, what you're saying? Yeah, if you're paying him that much already, then yeah, just sneeze out another million and let's get Jeez. a good game here. See, some people would say the complete opposite. <laughs> hey, we're already paying you that much. Yeah. You should go do this. But I don't, we don't know how the back, the inner workings no, of CBS operate. Not, this wasn't even rumored, Pat. This wasn't even rumored. I'm just saying. He could, they could swing their power like that if they wanted. I just, I don't know. What if Tony and Jim are like, Tuesday? Fuck you. We don't do that. I drink on Tuesdays. <laughs> we don't do Tuesdays, dude. <laughs> CBS awesome. is like, well, we did pay you like the most ever in the history of anybody yeah. doing anything basically revolving around TV. I don't care. You think I <laughs> Tuesday night, dude? That's no way. That's PTA night. <laughs> we got a PTA Zoom call with our kid's teacher, and I cannot miss that. It's got like Big Brother on. I wonder what. <laughs> you can't miss Big Brother. Let's go to Cody in Indiana. Cody, what's going on? Uh, all right. Yeah. Am I, am I coming in? Oh, yeah, you sound great, actually, Code. Code? Hell, hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, so, hey, hey. we we saw uh, uh, on Sunday, uh, or at least I saw, Frank Reich was talking about, and this is post-game comments, said that Phillip Rivers had a great game. Huh. So, I got a question for you and AJ. Because uh, we all know that he did not have a fucking great game. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to coach speak, you got guys like Frank Reich, who are there, who go to bat for their teammates whenever, wherever. You got guys like Bruce Arians down there that will just come out and say, we fucking suck. Mm-hmm. What is, from a player's perspective, which one do you guys prefer? Great question, Cody, and I think I'll answer for AJ and I, but obviously AJ can disagree completely. As long as the coach is always themselves, I'm cool with it. If they are an always upbeat, positive, let's find the silver lining in every situation guy, and that's genuinely who they are, I'm cool with it. If it's somebody who's like sometimes moody, sometimes a player's coach, sometimes emotional, some, I have a problem with inconsistency mostly whenever it comes to coaching. If somebody's consistent, I'm cool with it, because then at least everybody knows what they're getting. AJ, how do you feel on that i think you're 100 right and when i think back of some of the the bad coaches that i have been around i've been very lucky or i haven't been around a bunch of bad coaches but the bad ones are very inconsistent in like oh, yeah. their habits and how they carry themselves what they do on you never know each day what you're getting like okay here we go guys i don't know this dude may be super happy he may hate us and not talk to us for the next three weeks like that's those kind of coaches are the worst but yeah at least if they're honest i no, i don't think anyone wants to play for a coach they're not happy their coach trashes them to the media. But if, if at least he tells the media exactly what he told you to your face, then you're like, okay, I don't love it, but I respect it. What do you think is going on with Michael Thomas and Sean Payton down there? I don't know. Does Sean Payton really love the kid that Michael Thomas punched, the player? No. So, <laughs> so Sean Payton, Monday night in the countdown, he did an interview from the Superdome, from the field with the Monday night countdown on ESPN. He had, uh, I think, affliction jeans on, by the way. Oh, Ooh, no. There are some designer jeans. Pretty think, cool. There were some pretty cool jeans. And he had a T-shirt on, and he had his hair cut short. It was a different Sean, you know, and he had. Uh, yeah, he was doing the interview. On. Cool Sean. And Jay's, uh, great Jay's. He has a Jay deal or whatever. So he looked very cool. It was cool Sean Payton. It was Whoa, very cool, cool Sean, Sean Payton. In the first question, I don't know what he thought he was going to get asked. I have no idea. But the first question I saw was, what happened with Michael Thomas? And he was picking his words. You could tell that he was choosing his words. It wasn't like a smooth answer. It was like a, he was trying to figure out what he was going to say. And he talked about the encounter with CGJ. I think it was presented in the question or whatever. And then he said he also disrespected coaches. And that's why we disciplined him or whatever. So 
I think if you listen to stories and rumors that are coming out, and if you read Mike Thomas's tweets about the whole thing subtly, you're subtweeting about the whole thing, it seems like there's a potential at odds between coaches and Mike Thomas. And we don't know if that's just Sean Payton or if it's a wide receiver coach or if it's anybody else or if this is all just a bunch of bullshit. But him getting suspended for a game while he's healthy and saying it's because your number one receiver, the guy who – Broken NFL record last year, got into an altercation with a DB. Like, that happens in practice. Like, that, that is what happens. So for them to suspend him, you have to think a little bit deeper. So maybe him and Sean Payton got into it. Maybe he told Sean Payton he was sick of his bullshit. And then maybe Sean Payton said, we owe this guy $12.5 million next year. We owe him $15.5 million the year after that. If we suspend him for what he just did, which is a suspendable offense, we are not on the hook for those guarantees. And we can't help but run with those potential uh, assumptions because we don't really know anything that's happened, but it feels like a lot is set up for a potential awkward encounter between Michael Thomas and Sean Payton going forward. Well, that boy, precedent was set in the Earl Thomas situation, right? They didn't they didn't owe him because he had been suspended. Is that right? Conduct detrimental or violating team rules, whichever one, whichever clause or asterisk they want. The clause is the clause. Feels like whatever one they want to get him for, they got him. Yeah, not only does it set it up in the future if you want to move on from Michael Thomas so you can void some of those guarantees. So, hey, your owner, your GM is going to like you a lot more if, if it gets to that point. But I think what, it, what he's also, the main reason he would do it is to kind of set the tone, to be like, hey, man, this is our stud. This guy is possibly the best receiver in the NFL. Last year he probably was, and I'm going to suspend him because of what he, do, what he has done. I have no idea what he did on top of punching the guy. And when, he's, it, when you say disrespect the coaches, yeah, I don't know. what could he have done? Just, just gone crazy on him in front of the team? Hey, fuck you. Probably flicked him off. Whoa, yeah, probably, probably it has well, to be bad to he, suspend your best player, Pat. When you're a team that's kind of up in the air, you don't know who you are yet. Like that's a big deal. What if he took two Gatorade bottles, okay, in Sean Payton's face and went stone cold, <laughs> oh. right? and then he goes like this, and then he walks right off the practice field. What if he stone cold Steve Austin, Sean Payton right in his face? I would. A, love that, and B, see how Sean Payton could potentially take that as offensive and want to suspend him and potentially void out any guarantees in a contract. I don't know if he stone-cold Steve Austin'd him, uh, but I would like to see that get fought over in an appeals court on who owes who money when they have to demonstrate what Mm -hmm. Michael Thomas did. But right now, we know nothing about what could have potentially happened. We have no idea. But I've heard Sean Payton uh, can be like a hard-ass coach. Like I think everybody thinks he's cool because he wears Jordans and things like that. He is. I he get, is a hard-ass coach. Talk to anybody that plays for him. Like their camps, they kill each other in camp. Their conditioning test is brutal. He he works them hard during the year, but he is like this cool, fun guy off the field. Yeah, so it's fun guy. Hey, I'm a fun guy, huh? <laughs> Michael fun. Thomas. I'm probably I'm sick of your fucking shit. <laughs> that'd be uh, that'd be wild. That is a situation we will keep an eye on for you right here at the Pat McAfee Show. Mm-hmm. We are very nice that we're doing that. What's going on? So, will players be happy? The uh, Pro Bowl this year will not happen. Okay? Oh, but 2022, oh, it's going to be in Las Vegas. Ooh, Problematic. <laughs> I don't think they should have the game. I think it should be a skills competition. I've been on record saying this for a long time. I think the game is stupid. You're going to get nobody's best effort because nobody wants to get hurt. The only people that are trying their hardest are the people that think they can win a truck and winning the MVP, defensive ends, 
quarterbacks. That's all basically all you got. Everybody else is just trying to survive and say that we're here. Once they took it away from Hawaii, kind of lost its buzz to be 100% candid. I grew up watching the 40-yard dash contest and all this good time at Hawaii, mm-hmm. and they're wearing, you know, their lays, and they're having the time of their life, and they're in Hawaii, and they have an entire hotel. They tell these glorious stories, and then I make the Pro Bowl, and it's in fucking Arizona, oh. and it's cold, and we just lost by 50 to the Patriots, and we got to drive an hour and a half into the desert to practice, and the hotel isn't just running by the NFL, by the way. There's also two other conventions going on. So it's like literally, and we would like you to go build a sidewalk in the middle of the desert on Tuesday because Community <laughs> Tuesday, you get to be here. It's like, okay, all right. So this is, not, by the way, I like giving back to the community. Of course. Okay, I absolutely love yeah. it. But this is nothing like what I thought. And then whenever you start watching the product of the Pro Bowl, you got to get to a point where you're like, can we not have a quarterback skills challenge? Can we not have these guys bench against each other? Not 225, but have them max out. Have a squat and have money. Have prizes up for grabs here. And let's just document it like it's a celebration as opposed to just a game. You make yeah. a Pro Bowl, it's a hell of an honor. I mean, it is a hell of an honor. I will always be called a Pro Bowler, All Pro. You get it. But the actual game itself, big buzzkill. And the fans, big buzzkill. But it still does numbers because there's a lot of big motherfucking names. And if you got a bunch of big names there, why don't we make them do something that's actually interesting and make some content? Out well, of it? the uh, game this year uh, will be replaced by a variety of a variety of engaging activities. Oh, fine. Here we go. Q and A's. Okay. Good. Okay. Right. Dodgeball. No, that dodge- See, that's what I'm talking about. Dodgeball. Dodgeball is too cool. They would never do dodgeball. That's act- that'd be fun to watch. They, they did it. The last they do. Couple of years. Yeah. They do it. That's how much you hate the Pro Bowl, by the way. You don't even know that they've done that for the last couple of years. They also have like a quarterback circus that they have, which uh, they build these big like trick shot things, and the quarterbacks have to throw it in. There's like a five pointer four. I That's like cool. I like that. Me too. I'm a big fan of that. Do I they act- still put the chalk on the end of the ball like they used to? And what that's that a quarterback cool. challenge, oh, yeah. which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Peyton used to be in there. Brett used to be in there. Mm-hmm. There used to be a lot of names in that thing. It used to be really cool. I think there's old footage of old Matt Hasselbeck running around doing it. That's really awesome. For the quarterback circus, the last time I got voted in the Pro Bowl was my last year. I had a dislocated kneecap. And anytime I punted, I couldn't walk the day, right? But I did it for, you know, no big deal. Nine weeks of the season. Made a Pro Bowl with a dislocated kneecap. No big deal. Uh, Couldn't walk whenever I had to practice. Nobody talks about that because my brain is intact and I don't have to hit anybody. But uh, let's not talk about it. And my contract, I got a $250,000 bonus if I got to the Pro Bowl, right? Go to the Pro Bowl. So I was pumped up about that. There was a clause in said contract that said if I don't play in the Pro Bowl, I don't make... The $250,000. So now I had to figure out whether or not I wanted to stay in shape and punt balls for two weeks with this dislocated kneecap, knowing that I'm going to retire and move on and have to kick for the next couple of days because I don't want to just go out and shank balls and look terrible. Or do I go uh, and say, fuck it, I'm not doing a Pro Bowl. So I said, am I allowed to do the quarterback circus thing? Am I allowed to be in the quarterback circus thing? If they would have said yes to that, I would have went down there and did it. They said no. I said, fuck it, I'm out. I'm not doing it. So I didn't do it. And Jim Irsay still sent me a check nice. uh, the day after the Pro Bowl with a letter thanking me. So I was like, hey, thank you, Jim. And just to be completely candid, if they would have just let me go and slice and dice that fucking quarterback circus, this wouldn't even been called into question. But I appreciate you being the nice guy that you are. Very nice. How do you think you'd do in, in one of those quarterback competitions when you're going up against the best quarterbacks on the planet? I'd win. Shred him. I would win. Aaron Rodgers isn't out there, right? No. no. Aaron doesn't do it. Mm-mm. Tom's not out there, is he? Nope. No. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that don't care. It looks like they're going in there just don't. Lamar Jackson had a poor performance, but literally one 
10 seconds before he's out there, he has a hoodie on because it's cold as hell in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there like this. He doesn't even know that he's up. And they're like, you're up. He's like, oh, I'm up. Okay, here we go. And he didn't have a good performance. <laughs> Lamar Jackson could give a single damn about that thing. I would have a two-hour warm-up. Okay, I would have Tom Brady's guy working on my arm before yep. the thing. I would go into that thing fully focused and dialed in. And all the ranges of everything are right in my my flick of the wrist. I think it's like a 40-yard ball or mm-hmm. whatever into the thing. Like, for me, that is literally – Max throw, like, dude, perfect. They just line it up however they're max. For me, that is, here we go, from a standstill. I think I would do very well in that because the lack of effort that everybody else gives that is in said event. There is one quarterback yeah. that I mean, always gives effort there. Who's that? Mr. Ooh. Unlimited. Well, Andrew Brees, too. Drew Brees is captain pro bowl. If yeah. he's is there yeah, any thought to partner with Joe Thomas and Titan games and throw these guys on Mount Olympus? What about Gold Gus? And they end with the aggro crack. I'll tell you what, there is nothing worse than potentially being a Titan in that Titan game. <laughs> Could you imagine that, AJ? No way. If he, the worst would be at the end when, when Joe was trying to break the thing and it had, it was a, there was a chain on the sledgehammer and he couldn't get a good, good range of motion. Like That would make me so mad. Well, and they're setting it up like this average guy is taking on this Titan. And it's like this average guy has been, what, in his CrossFit box 10 hours a day yeah. for the last four years <laughs> training for the, this average firefighter who can do 2,000 floors on a Stairmaster and has been, is taking on this all pro. And it's like, wait a wait. Can we get rid of the average-ass guy? Okay, that guy has given a lot more effort in the Mount Olympus than I have at this point. You're set up for failure there, and the Rock's just like, here we go. Here we go. Good luck. Come on. Good luck. Hey, don't you think that game, what it should be, they should have, like, Joe Thomas is there. He's he's standing there ready to roll. Joe gets to go in the crowd and pick his competitor. That would be cool. Oh, that'd be awesome. Like a 10-year-old kid. All right. You signed up for it. I would like that. American Gladiators needs to come back, by the way. Yes, it does. And I would like, I, I would, with Hulk Hogan back in the day. Well, I want to let you know, not just Hulk Hogan tried to bring that back. I am currently working the phones to try to get that thing back. <laughs> oh, I do believe it is attainable. I've been going for it. I'd like it to be an adult version, too, where I can say, he just got fucked up. <laughs> like, I would like to be able to do that. I, I really... American Gladiator shaped my childhood. And I think oh, yeah. the fact that they're bringing back all these other terrible shows, mm-hmm. we should bring back at least a good one. Let's you try. are the weakest link. Great show. Yeah, I love that show. Well. Great show. It's doing good out there. What was Regis? Regis had a show that was big for a little bit. He wants bit. to be a millionaire, dude. Yeah. No, Come it was uh, Garbage Time or whatever. No, the... Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. When FS1 launched, what was that sports show they had for like six months? Yeah, it was like the talk or whatever. Uh, the, uh, oh, they had no. nine hosts. No idea. I do remember they that. They had nine hosts. Regis was at the end or whatever. It was what they launched Fox Sports with, basically. Mm-hmm. Regis Philbin had just won a, a Guinness World Record for most amount of logged hours on television or something like that. It was a big deal. I was like, I was very Train intrigued. Your thoughts. Crowd goes wild. Crowd goes wild. I think that's what it was. CG dubbed. Really? It. CG, no, I don't know if that's it. Crowd goes wild. I don't know. Is that Regis? Mm-hmm. Do you have a Regis? Uh, a little bit. I'd have to listen to some more of his Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I used to do it a lot, and then he died, and I was like, I can't really. He left know. Kelly. Oh, yeah. He to did. go do this sports show. Yep. See you later. AJ, um, what were your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell getting cut in the middle of the game last night? What were your cuts or your thoughts on him potentially liking a couple of tweets that said Adam Gase was a stooge, which, by the way, noted he is, and then he's out the door, owed $6 million, offsetting guarantees, whatever another team pays him, the Jets have to make up for the rest of the amount until $6 million. What are your thoughts on the entire Lev Bell situation, Mr. Hawk? Well, I mean, it, I guess I give the Jets credit for realizing like what they have like okay we can hang on and even though the gm it wasn't the gm who who brought Le'Veon bell in with all the money 
Um, but a lot of times I think teams will be, they'll be too stuck on a contract or someone that they pay. They don't want to say, hey, we were wrong here. I, I think it's good. They're moving on. It's a win-win. Lev Bell's going to go most likely to a contender. He's definitely going to a better football team than he's on right now. Yeah, unless he goes to the Giants. Yeah. The Giants, by the way, Saquon, they're out. You know what I mean? Ooh. Ooh. Lev. Hey, you Doesn't thought the Jets stunk. Come on. Which is the RO line. He potentially ends up at the Patriots or the Buccaneers. And or everybody, Chicago. I mean, he ends up at one of those places and everybody goes, okay. And he's going to figure out how to be the same guy he was three years ago again. And it's just going to be the Jets fans are going to be like, we got, we gave $28 million to a guy for 18 games. Adam Gase blows his entire career. And here we are watching him succeed somewhere else. In the exact same week, we decided to cut him because he liked a couple of tweets. I mean, it just gets worse and worse for Jets fans, especially if he goes out and balls, which I think is potentially going to happen oh, at yeah. this point. He's the prime example of what when you say like a guy needs a change of scenery, like a change of scenery. All of a sudden, Le'Veon Bell is going to be what he was four years ago. And by the way, this might be a freezing cold take. He might absolutely suck the next place he goes. Oh, maybe possible. We are not 100% sure, but he might stink. And Zito, you're sticking up for him because you think there's a chance he ends up at the Bears. Oh, Le'Veon yeah. Bell is actually a big part of uh, Zito's poll today. You know what is Big, the big poll. Uh, where will Le'Veon Bell land? Uh, right now, Bears are at 30.5%. Patriots are at 40.1%. Buccaneers, 12.7. Going back to the Stellars, 16.7. How many votes? Uh, well over 20,000. No big deal. That's a massive poll. Right, AJ? If you would like to potentially take part and be a part of yep. Zito's poll, which is a big, big, it's big massive. poll, yeah. at Viva La Zito on Twitter, we need to hear your voice. Yeah. So everybody's thinking it's going to be the Patriots. And the thought of Bill Belichick pulling it off again and yet again, and yet again, when no other team will pull the trigger, would just be something that would make a lot of sense, and you could definitely see yeah. it happening. Well, it makes complete sense. Leave the Jets on the hook for the majority of his contract. Pay him, what, 900 right now? Is that what his minimum would be? I think 850, yeah, 850, 800,000 or something like that. Here we go. We'll, we'll take you on for, for the rest of this year, and then we'll, we will see what happens at the end of the year. And we got a lot of money next year. Our salary cap is biggest in the NFL, nice. actually. Yep. And uh, we're going to have to figure out, Cam, we're going to have to figure out you, but let's hope it's success because if you win, there's enough to go around. If not here, it's everywhere else. And Bill Belichick, with Le'Veon Bell and Cam Newton in the same backfield, a lot of people will say, what is this, 2016? <laughs> so you know what it is, is 2020. And God damn it, I think you got some people that are going to try to make a lot more money in their careers, and mm-hmm. that's playing good football with Bill Belichick. It's just, it feels like that's inevitable, and I'm over 20,000 votes, and you got – 40% of the votes going there. I mean, that is quite a scene there. Do you think he'll come down from, like, the uh, the money aspect of it all when he is set to renegotiate whenever that may be because he did, he did just get $28 million in 18 mm-hmm. games? If he stinks, right? If he comes out and he stinks, I think he knows that he doesn't have a lot of leverage. But if he comes out and plays well... I mean, it is somebody's yeah, going to have to pay. 17 M's again? Yeah. 17 M's a year is what he wanted originally. I would assume if he gets anywhere near 14, 13, 15 at this point, he'd be pumped up about that, especially with the salary cap next year kind of being in jeopardy. I mean, Patriots have the most salary cap availability right now, I think, next year. Yep. But nobody knows what's going to happen to that salary cap. So we'll be able to see how it all goes. Uh, joining us now is a man who predicted Josh Allen to win the MVP over Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. He works at ESPN, one of the hosts of NFL Live. Ladies and gentlemen, Dane Orslovsky. Yeah! yeah Woo! Oh, no. No, no. Good. Very convenient. said my name wrong on purpose. No! <laughs> no, I didn't. Second of all, they don't... 
They don't hand out the MVP after five games, okay? You were trying to. Hey, that's the problem, Dane. You were trying to hand out the uh, MVP to Josh Allen just a couple weeks ago. And by the way, with everything that you said, it made me look at Josh Allen differently. I actually was like, okay, maybe you're right. Here we go. And then last night, Tuesday, do we consider it an anomaly for the season? Or you just think they played bad or what happened? Yeah, I just I answer the questions I get asked. They played bad. You know, like they just played poorly. You can't, you know, one game does not overshadow the first four games or actually what he did for the last 15 games or 12 games. So he played bad. He played impatient. The Titans went full Bill Belichick mode on him and forced him to play kind of small ball. And he was unwilling to do that. And that's what hurt their football team. So I think it'll be a huge game for him to learn from. He's not my MVP anymore. Um, oh, 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 you don't say. He's still my top three. He's still my top three. That's unchanged. Hey. But I can't keep him at one. Look out the window, pal. Bill's Mafia is about to fucking rain down on you for that. <laughs> what do you got, AJ? Dan, how many games, though, does he have to play like this until you do get worried? I mean, I, he would have to go like two or three games in a row where I go, all right, this, you know, like half the season you've been great and then half the season you've been you know, poor. So I have zero, zero concern with last night. I just think it's a huge learning process. It's that first time that he played on national television in a big game like that, that was going to like, as a defensive corner, that was going to go, I'm not going to allow you to play the style that you want to play. I'm going to make you play a different way and force you to adjust. And he didn't adjust. So I'll be interested to see if teams try to do that more. I don't think they will. But I'm not I, I'm not concerned at all right now. Okay, let's talk about Le'Veon Bell because we were just talking about that before we talked to you there. What do you think his future is? I know you and I both know, and AJ, massive fan as well, but Mike Greenberg, obviously diehard Jets fan. And if you're a Jets fan, you're seeing just a couple of your best players I don't want to say like tweets or potentially speak out about your head coach. And I think you hate at this point. Now you get rid of Le'Veon Bell. There's a good chance he's going to sign somewhere for vet men. The Jets are going to have to pay him $6 million or $5 million. And he's going to have a great year. Do you agree with that? Or you think he's kind of washed and uh, washed up at this point? No, he can still play. You know, I'll I'll touch on this with the Jets. Listen, the Jets are going to, their number one goal is to go one and 15. That's the only goal they have right now. Go one and 15 and get the number one pick. I'm just telling you, I have Clemson on Saturday for my college football game, and I talked with Trevor Lawrence for like 20 minutes today at 1230. That dude's an absolute bona fide superstar. Like he's going – if I'm the Jets, I, I'm begging to get to the number one pick. So um, I, I agree with the decision to move on from Le'Veon. They're going to get a new coach, all that stuff. Now with Le'Veon, I don't think any team that, one, is a non-contender or, two, doesn't have like a good locker room culture should go after Le'Veon Bell. If you're a team that's got a good locker room culture and you're a contender, go get Le'Veon Bell and don't use him as a running back. You don't have to. Like, it's the NFL in 2020. You should just go get him and use him as a piece. 12 to 15 touches a game. Maybe some of it is in the run game. A bunch of it should be in the screen game. A bunch of it should be lined mm-hmm. up in the slot or some stuff like that. And so Cleveland, high on my list. Pittsburgh, high on mm. my list. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've said this for weeks now, dude. They need a pass-catching running back. Don't tell me it's Leonard Fournette. Don't tell me it's Ronald Jones. Um, I think Philadelphia could be in the conversation. Chicago for sure. Thank but if I'm in the, I'm the Bucks. I'm going. That that I need. I need Le'Veon. Wait, why was Adam Gase unwilling to do all that? I know Le'Veon was banged <laughs> up a bit this year, but why didn't he do that with him? I don't think he can. You know, I I don't think he knows how to. I've always said this, like. 
dude i'm a six foot five Ooh. 200 pound really really unathletic white dude oh, okay. i cannot i cannot dance no matter how much i go on youtube and type in learn how to dance and watch those videos i'm not going to be able to dance so adam gates no matter how much he watches fun offenses in the nfl he doesn't know how to call them he doesn't know how to use those pieces so um it's it's just mainly like he doesn't he's only learned one offense that was Peyton's. That was the only one. The only offense he's learned, so he doesn't know how to adapt. I will say you are incredibly unathletic. I mean, it is yeah. <laughs> at this point. Just brutal. Un- yeah, true story. Could not bench 45-pound plates going into college. True story. Could you now, though? <laughs> uh, oh, no. 145 on each side for sure. I'm not yeah! Get up, Dane. That guy's moving the weight. All right, last thing before we let you go, and we thank you for joining us, Dane. You are such a good football brain. Mm-hmm. Michael Thomas and Sean Payton. Oh, your little tweet last night's got you really feeling good, doesn't it? I mean, that thing. <laughs> what a tweet. What a tweet. I don't get many good ones. I send a lot of bad ones. So, like, when I send a good one, I'm going to relish in it. I mean, it was a couple thousand retweets, I think, at this point. That's got to feel very, very, very good. I remember, I remember having a conversation with a guy about a year ago who's got a big, big, really good brain when it comes to the Internet. And he said to me, likes and views didn't matter. Retweets did. And I was, I was pretty proud about the last 12 hours. Well, you didn't listen because views definitely matter. But the <laughs> retweets are the only thing that matter. Likes don't mean a damn thing. Retweets. And let me t- I'll, do, I'll give the quick breakdown here. If you view your uh, Twitter as a television network or as a program, and then you would quickly understand that retweets are a commercial for your program on somebody else's program. They're the only thing that matter. Likes is like, yeah, we saw that you did something and you tried your best there. Boom. Retweets are the only thing that really matter. And last night, you should see his arm uh, got a lot of retweets. I'm proud of you. I was very proud of you with that. You. It actually made Thank me, it got a good pop out of me. I actually laughed. And then the internet obviously did what the internet did. Um, but this Sean Payton, Michael Thomas thing, are you guys going to talk about this on NFL Live? And what do you guys know that we don't? Because it sounds like there's potential beef between Michael Thomas and the coaches and now there's subtweets happening is this all just like pro football talk Mike Florio said so that the Saints can get out of future guarantees that they owe Michael Thomas what do you think this is all about yeah we're not talking about it on NFL live yet today unless you know Shefty comes in in the next what 80 minutes and brings us something that's got kind of weight to it you know I, here's my thing like they're not moving on from Michael Thomas in the next three months so you know maybe next year because more than likely, Drew's not there, and so they're very much their salary cap's a disaster. So I could see it next year, but they're not going to move on from Michael Thomas over the next three months. They got through some kind of off the field stuff early on in this spring as a football team, and so I think both those guys are mature enough to realize what's ahead of them and what's in front of them. And so I don't know, man. I, I think there's a lot more kind of drama to it than actual substance. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. AJ, you got anything for Dane, or are you going to let him go? Well, two questions ago, you said last thing before you let him go, so I I assumed he was up against something. He had something going on. Well, he's got a show he's got to do in 80 minutes, Mm -hmm. 79 minutes now at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, NFL Live. Dan, how do you feel about about Pat (laughs) repeatedly calling you Dane? Who does that? The guy you mentioned with the big brain, which when you were talking about, you, you talked to somebody that is, has a big brain that is one with the internet, I yeah. legit thought you were talking about Gary Vee. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way. He's, also works. Yeah. Also works. Right hook mode, baby. Yeah. Legit. More so than me, obviously. Uh, 
You know, McAfee is, uh, AJ, McAfee's one of those guys where, like, if he's not making fun of you, uh, you know what? He makes fun of everybody. So yep. That point's stupid. That um, is very, no, no, I don't. You're 100% right, though. You're 100% right. Yeah. Now, granted, uh, the Orslovsky has come to be strictly because of your Josh Allen take that you forced down our throats yes. and basically told us that Aaron Rodgers stunk at football yeah, yeah. at this point is basically what you said. Literally, literally week one said it's the best he's played in five weeks. And he confirmed it. Totally said he believed it. So Just couldn't hold a candle to Josh so. Allen. Anyways, go ahead. Oh. Yeah, Dane, uh, just a, a moment ago you said you were talking to Trevor Lawrence. Very cool. And he's going to go to the Jets, you say. Uh, so what's going on with Sam Darnold? Where is he going to be next year if the Jets get Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, Colton, I think that you're going to have many a team <laughs> have the opportunity to, to make a trade. <laughs> Colton, retweet, Sam, dude. So, retweet, uh, retweet. Like – you're going to tell me that there's teams in the back half of the first round that are going to go, the Jets want a first-round pick? Cool. If I'm picking at 16, 18, 20, I'll absolutely throw my first-round pick to the Jets. So I think they're going to end up – like, here's the thing. Whoever gets the one picks taking Trevor Lawrence, lock it in. That's happening. So if it's the Jets, Sam Darnold will be on the move. San Francisco will be there. Indy will be there. Um, Stillers. Gosh, who, who knows what will happen with Dallas? You just don't know. I think Dak will be there on a franchise tag, but you never know. Um, Atlanta could be in the conversation. Carolina could be in the conversation, although Teddy's playing well. Like Tampa, you just there's going to be plenty of teams that will be interested. Why Why is Greeny putting Matt Ryan in Indy? Why is he doing Don't. There's no reason for him to do that to us. He's doing that very loud, too. This is two days in a row now on Get Up where he's like, if I'm Indianapolis, I'm calling Atlanta right now for Matt Ryan. I'm like, Greeny, I love you. Big brain, great shoes, all that shit. But I don't. we don't need that in Indianapolis right now, do we? Is Matt Ryan going to play after this year, you think? Oh, yeah. He'll definitely keep playing. And he can still keep playing. Like, I just think Atlanta's such a disaster, dude. Like, Matt Ryan, if they have a top five pick, Matt's probably going to be gone. One of those quarterbacks, the top three will get taken, would be my guess. But Matt can still play. Dude, I just think when you look at Phillip and Indy, you can't run from it right now, Pat. Like, dude, I had had our research people do some stats. You're not going to like this right now, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Since the start of last season, since the start of last season, Philip Rivers is third in the NFL in turnovers. Jesus. Behind Daniel Jones and Jameis Winston. Philip Rivers, Rivers, since the start of last season, this is the disturbing one. He's thrown 16 interceptions in his own territory. That's second worst behind Jameis Winston. That's that's 20-plus games. Body of work, man. Like, it is what it is right now. It is what it is. All right, get to work. Can't wait to watch it. Thanks for that, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Orlovsky. Joining us now, host of the Business of Sports podcast, executive vice president of Vayner Sports, which is an agency. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Bright. Hey, Pat, I haven't been on in a while. You've been cheating on me with the other Packer guy you got, that Rodgers guy. <laughs> yeah. Come on a lot. You know, I, I guess you got all the Packers stuff you need. You well, don't need a- me. Huh? Andrew, the text or the message you sent me about how Aaron Rodgers is the best and you enjoy the segments or whatever, it feels like with Aaron, people are. Le- including me, right? The first time I met him, I was like, man, I know nothing about this guy. And I, I got along with I, I liked him a lot. And I'm like, this guy's been in the NFL for over a decade. Nobody knows anything about him. These conversations, people getting a chance to like see the human he is, aside from being the most talented quarterback, probably, not probably, the most talented quarterback to ever play the game. It has been a lot of fun to chat with him. And you saw him, what, day one, you had to work some business with him. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm biased. I mean, he's the best. And I said that to you because I think, you know, when I listen to athletes, nothing against athletes in general, but not a lot of them express a lot of thoughtfulness, introspection, insight into how people are feeling. And when I talked to Aaron, when I saw him at camp a couple of years ago, he said, listen, Andrew, I get it. I understand that I'm a voice, not only for this team, for the state, for the region, Packer Nation, and I want to be thoughtful, but I understand my role. He's so candid. He's so honest. And as you guys are seeing every week, he really seems in a good place, not only on the field, but off the field this year. It's great to see as someone who's known him again from the first day he came in. I saw that wry sense of humor. I saw that that California cool he's got. You know, we put him in a room with Southern Mississippi Brett Favre. <laughs> That was a little bit of oil and water right away, but those guys started getting along. It was nice to see. Yeah, they're good friends now, which has been awesome to kind of watch them interact because of all the stories you've heard. But listening to him talk and then people talk about him now that maybe they shared stories or stories earlier, but they were never talked about because everything that gets talked about with Aaron, for whatever reason, I think because of how damn talented he is, every story is like a TMZ type story. And then that infiltrates into everything else. And he all, he never answered any of those stories. Like he, he told us what, kill him with, kill him in, with indifference, kill him with indifference. So all these stories would come out that probably weren't true, or at least there was a little bit of truth, but mostly fabricated. And he wouldn't even just address me. He's like, ah, I'm not even going to give it attention. I'm, I'm just going to kill it with indifference. And I'm sitting here somebody that's never met him and not been on a team and I, I wanted to tell him like yeah but you should answer some of them like you should like some of these you should say like no that's not true or whatever but he's been able to handle this and he, he seems like he's only getting better at football somehow and it's been a treat to listen to him talk I've I feel very lucky that we get a chance to do it and I don't talk to him much outside of just the recorded conversation we have every week it's been really cool to learn about like this dude who is at the top of the world of what he does and how he is and how he because it's much different than what a lot of other people are who in the, are in the exact same position. Yeah, and you got AJ there too. And, oh, yeah. and listen, we picked AJ number one in two thousand five, and we picked Aaron number one in two thousand six, and it or maybe it was vice versa. But having AJ there, it just brings out a comfort level with him and. Listen, Pat, when this dude came in, you know, we drafted him. I called him. The poor guy was waiting there forever. After five hours, the caterers moved all the tables. He was alone in that green room. And, you know, when I called him that draft day, uh, my instructions from Ted Thompson were get him on the phone and don't say anything. So the poor kid had waited six hours. And I call and I say, because I want to talk to Mike, his agent. I call and say, Mike? He says, no, it's Aaron. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I talk to Mike? And he puts Mike on, and Mike's like, are you taking him? Are you taking him? Are you taking him? And I just like, hold on. Just hold on. Because we wanted to see if the phone would ring, if we'd get offers. You know, we get two number twos. We get a one and a two. We don't. And that phone never rang. And I think about when I watch his greatness, I think about, man, you know, how the NFL and the Packers and the whole world could look so much different if that phone rang and we got an offer we couldn't refuse. But nobody called. Nobody called. And we took them, you know, and we had a Lambeau Field party, a thousand people under our draft room. Boo! <laughs> we had everyone booing. You know, Brett's agent calls me. Brett calls the coach. No one's happy. You know, I'm sure Aaron's not happy going to a place that's cold and he's never going to play. But 
oh, you know, it's nice to look back and see that work out. Well, and Brett Favre was in the middle of an Iron Man run, too, where he like, mm-hmm. hadn't missed a single play for 45 years or something <laughs> like that. It's like, oh, great. Can't wait to just go to a place that seems like the backup gets a lot of action. But he talked about it how for years he sat there, right? And then one particular night against Dallas Cowboys, he jogs on the yeah. field. And uh, Scott Stapp and, and Creed just fucking rocked it at halftime. <laughs> yep. He said that was the night to change everything where he went from potential draft bust and guy never really got a shot to, hey, this dude's going to be really good. And here we are, what, 13 years later. And it's just, it's the Aaron Rodgers show right now. But let's you start. Know, Pat, yeah. the last thing before we get to other t- topics, we had the first minicamp practice, first days on the field, coming out of Cal. And, you know, Ted Thompson, our GM, never showed an inch of emotion the whole time I was with him. But Aaron takes the ball, rolls right on movement, throws it 65 yards downfield in stride to Donald Driver, first practice. And Ted and I locked eyes. I never saw motion from Ted Thompson. He looked at me with that look like, all right, we got him. You know, <laughs> we, we are set for the future. We got the guy. And once that's no better feeling in pro sports from a management point of view is when you know you got the guy number one, and the guy is not only your best player, but one of, if not, your best person. And that's why the Packers are gold, why the Texans are gold with Deshaun Watson. You know, when you've got the guy who's your best player and your best person, you're gold. All right, so from the front office point of view, that's the best feeling you can have. And you were vice president of finance, I believe, for the Packers. What was your exact title for the Packers? I was vice president, period, of the Packers. I handled all the player contracts and Dealt with Aaron's agent doing that contract where, you know, everyone's asking, you know, the whole negotiation. How do we do a negotiation for a guy we never know when is going to play? And that was a hard negotiation. Okay, so let's talk about the Texans you just talked about with Deshaun Watson. They fired the guy who I think was also vice president of the Texans, lead counsel of the Texans, general manager of the Texans, head coach of the Texans, player caller for the Texans after a player revolt that is alleged to have happened that J.J. Watt and defense coordinator said, we're sick of your shit, basically. He's out now. You said they're gold with Deshaun Watson because their best player is their best guy. They got J.J. Watt there as well, also I think notoriously known as Mm -hmm. a good guy. You think that team's in a good spot, but they have to fill a lot of positions. Was Bill O'Brien killing them? them or what are your thoughts on that entire situation yeah i mean three bad moves i just jump out right away trading for laramie tunzel for two number ones and then not even doing a contract so tunzel gets all the leverage does this incredible deal afterwards <laughs> trading to andre hopkins for inferior value and trading Clowney for inferior value and paying him seven million dollars to go away and play for the seattle seahawks listen he's in a no-win situation a coach has to inspire, motivate, worry about the present right now. A general manager has to be detached, unemotional, worry about the future. And he's trying to be the same person. As Aaron knows, when I was there, Ron Wolf retired. Our coach, Mike Sherman, became coach and general manager. Again, he looks at me, he goes, Andrew, listen, I'm going to make you the bad guy here. And like Mike, I'm like, Mike, I get it. I totally get it. You've got to get players to run through a brick wall for you. You can't be holding the purse strings. So I, I ran that role. In, in Philadelphia, Andy Reid, for so many years, he had Joe Banner run that role. But O'Brien was his own bad guy. And I heard from agents and people like he graded on players. That's a problem. So I don't think the coach general manager model works. One guy can do it, Belichick, because he's, he's very unemotional <laughs> and very detached. But beyond that, it never works. And Bill Bryan was put in a position to fail, and they failed. All right, let's talk 
Another big business decision. Bill O'Brien, yeah, all the arrows in Rhodes led to him, by the way, for the firing. So he, he ran out of uh, people to blame, which is, I would assume in that particular business, something you need to have is people <laughs> to blame things on. Uh, Dan Quinn yes. just did that last year. He fired every assistant coach that he had, built up and hold the thing. He's out with Dimitrov. Who knows what the future is with Atlanta? But the hot story today is Le'Veon Bell gets cut last night, just hours after it is announced that they're trying to trade him. You initially, upon hearing about them trying to trade, said good luck was your actual word. Good luck trading Le'Veon Bell with whatever his contract was and his performance this year, and nobody's going to want to give anything up. They cut him later and i might be wrong in this and i've been saying it very loudly so if i'm wrong i I would like you to educate me he can double dip right in this particular situation where he gets contract from the jets that he is owed and then he can go to another team and get another contract somewhere else a la what leonard fournette uh, did this year with the jaguars and the buccaneers or am i wrong in saying that i think you're wrong pat Damn it! I was very (laughs) loud in saying a little a little bit of contract 101 this is an offset guarantee so he's owed $6 million this year or whatever the remaining balance is. He goes to another team and, say, makes $1 million. That goes against the $6 million owed by the Jets. So it's called an offset guarantee. So he'll get the money. And if he doesn't play, it's all from the Jets. If he does play, some of it's from the Jets and some of it's offset by what he makes from the new team. Okay. So we'll see. I mean, like you said, he could sit back and collect the $6 million and not play for anyone. He could play for someone, get whatever, say they pay $2 million, then the Jets owe $4 million, and then he's got an injury guarantee next year, which is going to be hard unless he gets hurt badly to collect on that. But $28 million for a year and a few games with the Jets. So the Jets continue to compound bad decisions with bad contracts. <laughs> <laughs> Just such a matter-of-fact statement. Just such a matter-of-fact statement. Is this them saying that they're going with Adam Gase long-term? Because the origin of this publicly is Le'Veon Bell liked a couple tweets right that said that M. Gase was a stooge basically and he's not the only one liking tweets that are saying that everybody outside the building is but if you go back to Jamal Adams he came out and basically said he hated the place he wanted to leave wasn't inspired boom he's gone now Le'Veon Bell likes a couple tweets that say he's not being used right in Adam Gase's offense he's gone is this the jet saying we're investing in Adam Gase more so than Le'Veon Bell or do you think they were going to unload Le'Veon Bell at the end of the season anyways let's go ahead and do this now in kind of save the drama between Gase and Le'Veon Bell for the day-to-day until we eventually get rid of Adam Gase as well. Well, different general manager, as you noted, once that got out, they're trying to trade him. There's no way they're going to trade him. Everybody's going to say, well, wait till you cut him because you're not going to keep him. And, you know, Joe Douglas has no investment in in Le'Veon Bell. That was the previous general manager, McCagnan, who, again, paid him big money, paid C.J. Mosley big money, paid all these guys big money, and then is shipped out. So there doesn't seem to be symbiosis between the GM Ooh. and the and the coach. Symbiosis. So I don't know if Good Adam word. Gaze is long for the future. But hey, Pat, don't blame me because the Jets called me a year and a half ago, and I gave a glowing recommendation to the guy named Mike McCarthy. You should hire him. And a day later, they hired Adam Gaze. <laughs> and I said, listen, what did I just tell you about two hours with Mike McCarthy? What happened? They said, well... You know, we talked to Peyton Manning yeah. about oh, Adam yeah. Gaze, and, you, you know, no offense, but Peyton Manning's more important than Andrew Brand. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I get it. You know, I said, I said McCarthy. 
Jets fans do hate Peyton Manning, I've learned, because I put out a tweet about Peyton Manning, and all Jets fans basically said was, yeah, well, he should just keep his mouth shut and not talk <laughs> about who should get hired where, because it's amazing that Adam Gase has gotten two opportunities that people would die for to get in the Dolphins and in the Jets, and they both seem to be going the exact same way. Le'Veon Bell, I would assume when he signs with the next team, since it's an offset guarantee, they're going to sign him for a vet min and let the Jets pick up the tab for everything else, and Le'Veon Bell probably at this point is completely okay with that. I assume he's going to go to a winning team because I think he saw what life was like on a terrible team. So I'm intrigued by that. Let's move now to our final question for you. And it's a big one. And Diggs just reminded me of it. And when you said Mike McCarthy, it made me think of it. Dak Prescott gets franchise tag. You know, two years straight, they said he needs to get a long-term deal. He needs to get a long-term deal. He becomes almost a free agent. He gets franchise tagged. They offer him a five-year deal. He wants a four-year deal. Now here we are, week five, and one of the most gruesome injuries we've ever seen. Now, I I know that he'll be able to get back to full go. Rehab is going to be strenuous and terrible. But the big question now is, what is the future for the Cowboys? What is the future for Dak Prescott? Do those coincide with each other and how much money is going to be involved? This is something where the business of the NFL, which you know a lot about, you're the bad guy, you even said in a lot of situations, can rear its ugly head into things and make it not as kosher or kumbaya as everybody would like it to be. Do you see that potentially happening with Dak and the Cowboys? Or do you think Jerry is in a position, Stephen Jones is in a position, where because of the how serious the injury was, how much he's outplayed every contract they gave him, that they're going to have to pay him long term? Yeah, I think they will. And I'm going to push back against the narrative that somehow Dak hurt his financial future with the big assumption this is not career ending, which I think everyone agrees, this injury. And it was a sad, gruesome injury. That moment of him crying is going to be one of the moments of this year. I think that's a big moment. So listen, I think Dak Prescott will be in the same position in February that he was last (laughs) February, where the Cowboys have three options. Pay him a contract that Dak will agree to, which hasn't happened. Pay him a franchise tag, which will be $37 million next year, combined with 31 this year, give him $68 million over two. Or set him free to a market where no matter how bad the injury, I think, Pat, he'll get a huge contract. Because you never see a player like Dak Prescott hit the market. Mm. The closest we've seen is like Kirk Cousins or Peyton Manning coming off three neck surgeries. This guy will get paid. So at worst, in my opinion... He's going to make 68 or $69 million over two years. Let's compare that to Mahomes, and I know I've talked about that deal, $63 million over three years. So Dak will be fine. The question I, know, I don't know is what they were talking about last year in terms of money, why Dak didn't take it. Jerry's going to have to be above that, no matter what. Because by that time, we may see a Lamar Jackson, we may see someone else set a new market. And then Dak will have to respond to that. Last thing is we saw Jerry and Stephen Jones on record saying basically, in so many words, they're going to take care of Dak. I know players are watching, especially on the Cowboys and other teams, to make sure they take care of this guy. I'm bullish on his future still. Okay, we like to hear that. I'm sure Dak does as well. So do Cowboys fans. (laughs) Every time you speak, I feel like I learned something. Thanks for educating us today. Ladies and gentlemen, the host of the Business of Sports podcast, former vice president of the Packers and executive vice president of Vayner Sports, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Brandt. Thank you, Andrew. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this stupid-ass show. I mean, it's dumb. We know it's dumb. Uh, Hopefully you learn some stuff. Hopefully you escape life a little bit. And hopefully, if you like this show, you'll be a friend and you'll tell a friend about it. We have another one coming out, Minyana. Big guest time. Oh, my God. I'm very excited for tomorrow's show. Oh, 
Yeah. Think about tomorrow's show. I know. I don't want to tease it too much because I do want people to be genuinely surprised, but <laughs> wow. 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 Whoa. Wow. Wow. Um, by the way, you can listen to us live 12 to 3 every single day on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Or- <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. It's still happening. By the way, month and a half into this thing, I'm very impressed. Um, boys are still barking whenever you say Mad Dog Sports Radio. Uh, that's very impressive. I, that, that type of stuff doesn't normally last in this office, and the fact that it has, I'm very proud of, to be honest. I appreciate that. A lot of quit in this office when it comes to ideas that we love. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff gets stale. You see? That's stuff that's gets, a part of loving things. Is stuff gets stale. If you love it, you run it. Mm-hmm. And if you run it, what happens? It dies. It does. That's something we'll get better as we go. I, I think with sure. Maybe just, maybe not. I assume not actually because <laughs> I don't know how you just change an entire group's opinion on hating things whenever they come. Not easy. Get a lot of tweets about stuff too. Like, hey, I wish you would do this again. I just want to tell them. Like, I want to let you know. I don't know how the rest of the office feels, but I fucking hate that. <laughs> Can, I couldn't, we ran it so dry. There are a couple things, though, that we have to bring back in this office. Office championship wrestling is oh. right there at the top, but in the middle of a pandemic, going to be tough. It will be tough. For yeah. those new listeners that don't know anything about office championship wrestling, when I say this, I mean this. Might have been our best work we've ever done. I think it's the most fun I've had since working here. We had, we we shot it all in one night, basically. Mm-hmm. The night before the first episode had to go out. Yep. And I think we were editing it at like maybe 2, 3 a.m. in the office. Had oh, to be yeah. back in at 8 a.m. the next morning. Crying, laughing while editing that thing together. Highly rewatchable. Office Championship Wrestling. The storylines, I'm telling you, the storylines for when the episodes were released. I mean, should we should have won an award for that. We should have. Probably an Emmy. Probably should have won an Emmy or a Webby. (laughs) I mean, Jesus himself. Jesus Christ of Nazareth showed up. (laughs) The devil was in here. We still have a coffin in the office. Yeah. Yes, we do. That Zito may or may not have stolen. Mm-hmm. Office championship wrestling. <laughs> that was something we had an entire season two ready to go, by the way. Had to back off it. I think it'll have its day in the sun again. We're going to have to change some storylines now at this point, but I do believe we, we will have a shot at bringing that back. All right. That's the show. Stupid show. That's the show. We're back tomorrow. Uh, if you didn't like the show, just act like it never happened, dude. Not that big of a deal. Just, well, nothing happened here. Just kind of slept. Maybe say you slept Mm -hmm. for the last however long this episode is. Sure. All right. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Ty, please play some independent music.